Welcome to Sandra Ray's Fiercely Spiritual Podcast. You're listening to episode number eight. Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of the podcast. Today I'm speaking with Lou Horgan. She is a teacher and facilitator and teacher trainer of yoga and a mama of two. And Lou has taught yoga in Dublin for the past 16 years her passion and she has a really true passion for a deeper understanding for women's health and for their rights of passage are central um, to the work that she does and also through her own journey she has come to understand that women's needs are often not met through traditional yoga teachings so she teaches yoga as a way of holding and growing into all cycles of womanhood and manhood, although there mightn't be that many men there at the classes. And she's taught over 5,000 women through her pregnancy classes, as well as over 1,000 couples through her active birthing workshops. So Lou, you're so welcome. And it's so lovely to have you here. And I'm really looking forward to this chat. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. Fine to have a chat with you. Yes. And I have known you for a while, but I wanted to introduce you to everybody and just explain a little bit about what you do and about your practice and mm-hmm. just your whole ethos and your way of living because I think it's really powerful and it's something that I think the listeners will really enjoy and relate to and I suppose we'll start off with where it all began for you how did you come to start practicing yoga in the first place sure um so next near 20 years ago I um started to practice, practice yoga in a gym in Dublin I had dabbled a little bit when I was in India, but very much as a tourist, as a kind of a, you know, go on a rickshaw ride, join a yoga class. Um, it didn't leave a huge impression on me when I was in India, but I uh, something really clicked with me when I, um, when I started practicing in Dublin. And um, I'd say within about a year or so, I had decided that I wanted to explore it more and I wanted to enter into some class of an immersion, whether that's a teacher training or um, a deeper insight into the whole practice. And I ended up going back to India. I ended up going back to India and I went back into a very classical, traditional Hatha yoga practice in an ashram, um, very strict, very uh, old school, and at the time, absolutely perfect for me because I knew there was something that I wasn't quite getting out of uh, the classes that I was attending that were very much uh, physical alignment-based. There was really no understanding of how it could affect your psycho-spiritual well-being. However, I was feeling very altered when I was leaving classes and I knew there was something going on. Now, I, I was simultaneously exploring a lot of work in um, energy healing. So that modality, it, it, they almost felt separate. And then when I spent time in India, I was like, okay, there was a marriage that happened. You know, I could really feel the depths that the embodiment of, of the yoga practice was, 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 was bringing me to. 
So yeah, that was about a three month immersion in India. And then I decided to come back. I was living in the UK at the time uh, by then. And I, 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 I completed a teacher training in the UK um, with a really, really great school. They were interdisciplinary. So they introduced us into a lot of different styles, traditions and ethos, but all ultimately pointing you in the same direction, which is your own self, your own exploration, your own um, unique experience of the world. And that path I traveled for quite a number of years. I became pregnant. I was simultaneously studying pregnancy yoga and that completely changed the trajectory of how I taught when it came to me giving birth. I often refer to it as the greatest yoga practice I've ever had to uh, embody. You know, it brings it all in. It's yeah. the, as far as it, I was concerned, it was the greatest experience, body, mind, spirit. Um, I went to depths that no handstand in the middle of the room, no pranayama practice, nothing could have really prepared me for it. Mm. I touched into a place that not only transformed me, but it really transformed my worldview. It transformed how I taught yoga. Um, and in a sense, it created a huge questioning around what I, what I knew so far, what I had learned so far. It was a big missing chunk of wisdom that just wasn't covered. So I got busy and I taught and taught and taught and taught and taught and taught, and taught as many women as I could get my hands on this quintessential uh, possibility um, as they move through their pregnancy and their labor and their birth and their rite of passage into motherhood. And I always felt a little see uh, that's so nice, you know, you must just kind of twiddle your wrists and lie on the floor. And that used to upset me because I really, really felt the people were missing out on what it was that was going on in women's bodies. So that continued for a bunch of years. And then I found myself in a great big teacher training, having had my little girl. So I'd, I'd given birth for a second time. I was in the UK. I had left her for the first time um, to go on this teacher training. It was over 100 people in the room and 98% of them were women. I had just got my first period after having uh, not had one since before I was pregnant with her and she was about one year old at this stage. I was still breastfeeding her and I was in this teacher training and we started to talk about the cycles of yoga, of life, the cycle, swara yoga. And we must have spent two hours on the left nostril and um, we spent another two hours on the right nostril and um, we went into the cycle of the day and we went into the cycle of the practice and we went into the cycle of the cycles and I just 
Thomas, I thought, when are they going to mention, when is this guy going to mention the menstrual cycle, the cycle we're all born out of? And it just never came up. So I put my hand up and I, you know, and I was very, very vulnerable and sensitive and alive with this. And I was given the right answer that it heard since the very beginning. Oh, the menstrual cycle. Well, you know, you don't do handstand and you don't do shoulder stand when you have your menstrual cycle, which was far than satisfying answer. And then he said, and he could see that I was very upset by the fact that that was so, um, uh, I suppose, uh, undervaluing, superficial and undervaluing what I was communicating. And I could see all the heads bopping up and down in agreement when I was talking about altered state premenstrually, heightened intuition, uh, heightened sensitivity, um, and could he, you know, open up the conversation on that as far as a yoga perspective? And of course, he couldn't. He came from a lineage, one of the oldest lineages, and that's why he's such an amazing teacher. But it was a lineage of men downloading a spiritual, philosophical practice through the bodies of men. Through a man's hormonal cycle, which is vastly different, more of a 24-hour cycle in tune with the sun, to the point that the asana practice of yoga really happens in the morning in order to dissipate all of that sexual energy that arises in men in the morning. And in that moment, I realized, wow, Hatha yoga means sun moon and the union of the two. But really only, only I had been only taught through a very solar perspective. So it was time to now go. I was heartbroken naming this teacher because I was like, I had him on a bit of a pedestal. And I went then and I explored for a number of years. A tricky one to study because it was never written down. It was purely experiential and verbally passed on through the tradition and lineage of women and broken and hidden for a very, very long time, whereas the male tradition continued right the way through the ages. And that's really been what I've been working with for since Alana was one, she's eight now, so it's the past seven years. Yeah. Uh, the cycle of our lives as women, the very embodiment of our spiritual practices, they're in us. I really don't see the need for us to go and sit in a cave for 20 years. We, if the possibility exists for us to touch into deep states of divine inspiration monthly, uh, from the time we're little girls, a force awakens in us then most women, not all women, will experience uh, pregnancy and uh, labor and birth. That's a bigger cycle within the monthly cycles. And then we will all move through a perimenopause and menopausal cycle to really embody all of that micro-dosing of spiritual wisdom uh, 
to embody that at the at the I suppose the peak of our lives as women in our in our postmenopausal time when we can really hold that power for ourselves and I think yeah. it's something that as you say, is probably missing a lot of the time from yoga practices. And I love that you're embodying that because it is so important. And what I find that with the menstrual cycle, um, a lot of the time people tend to see it as an inconvenience mm. um, and probably labor as well. I know a lot of people who they, there's no question that they're going in, they're getting an epidural, they don't want to feel any pain. And the same with the menstrual cycle, if you begin to feel any cramps, now, not saying that we should feel cramps, but if we begin to feel any cramps that, you know, take painkiller, get rid of the pain, um, get on with your life. Mm. And I think there's so much power in the menstrual cycle if we use it and we go with that flow on a weekly basis. And so much power in the process of labor and as you said it totally brought your yoga practice to a new level going Mm. through that process and I think it's really empowering and that for me was so important to go through the process of labor because I knew that it would empower me on so many levels in addition to empowering my children um, through going that through that process. So I'd love to talk about that a little bit more and mm-hmm. how that kind of just awakened you to these new levels of uh, your practice and how that mm-hmm. you know, just developed your practice. Well, I suppose it comes back to experiencing it. You know, the body is the greatest tool we've got. And like you say, this uh, cycle that we're born into as women has been uh, conceived as a inconvenience. And... I know plenty of women over the years who practiced so much yoga, they stopped their menstrual cycle and that was considered kind of normal. So really what was being taught was what the world was teaching you. It's an inconvenience and we can medicate for that. We can, you can take hormonal contraceptive pills, which have lots of value in one regard, but it stops your menstrual cycle. The epidural has lots of value as well, but it stops you feeling your labor. So there's been plenty of, 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 of um, I suppose, societal and cultural um, uh, stories that have talked us out of it for a very, very long time. You know, and then you take HRT and you get some menopause and there, there you go. You don't feel anything, you know, you don't feel anything. But what are we not feeling? What are we being disconnected from or what are we missing out on and there's a moment that through the awareness that a yoga practice gives you that awareness of your body the subtleties of your body the subtleties of your breath the subtleties of being in the moment in your body and your breath the 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 space it gives you in your mind it's a ripe platform. It's a really ripe, open stage to uh, invite in 
that really profound instinctual wisdom that arises in us. It's not that we have to, you know, sit on our yoga mats for five days as we bleed and sit in some deep meditation. They're micro moments, they're gestures to ourselves to see what's being, um, what's been shown. And if we go back to that, that moon, I, the idea of the moon, we are very full and peak and bright and alive as the full moon is in the sky. We have endless patience and endless energy and we can be all things to all people. We can be very social, we can be super chatty and all of that's available to us every month. But really that is not our exclusive gear. We have the absolute polar opposite of that, which is an internalized, quietude, um, restful, um, self-care time inbuilt in our bodies. But because the world is so solar, it's day, night, day, night, day, night, day, night, day, night, go action, sleep, action, sleep, action, sleep. Our greater cycle within that isn't regarded. So over the years of teaching, and I, I just did a teacher training there a couple of weeks ago, and it was so interesting, the same thing happened again. There were a couple of postnatal women in the class. I was certainly very premenstrual at the time. There was another woman who I could see clearly was having some really deep heat releases. She was, you know, somewhere in her menopausal time. And the teacher who was teaching had absolutely no sense of what was going on. Again, another brilliant guy. And when I brought his attention to it, he thought, wow, I know nothing about this stuff. And it's the same thing we can find in every area of the world right now, that uh, disregard or disconnection from or suppression of this divine feminine awakening. It's happening everywhere. And I suppose I've taken it in, full, in both hands for, for the yoga world. You know, it, it is so important because at the end of the day, if it was only guys who were doing yoga, well, maybe it's not so relevant. But usually, in my experience, it's always over 90% of the room are female. Mm. And I love that point that it's like this practice that we've all been doing, but yeah. just missing, missing half of it. <laughs> and, and it's the most obvious thing. Yeah. But isn't that always the case? It's we overthink it. Mm. We overcomplicate it. It's the simple, simple, it's right under your nose every time and I love that about it I love that even though I have known the the uh, the translation of hatha yoga since day one teacher training open your man balance the sun balance the moon okay I got that balance the divine and the, uh, the the feminine and the masculine within you but the story hasn't been told to its full completion and nor do we even know what the full completion is. But for now, along with all of the other things that are going on in the world and this rebalance of power that seems to be happening, um, this is another, uh, a- another chapter in that story. 
Yeah, I wanted to talk about the divine feminine because I think that, as you say, it's something that's emerging really powerfully. And for me, it's been something that I've fought because I came from, you know, before I was in energy healing and meditation and teaching, I came from a corporate, you know, background where I was, you know, in marketing and event management and I, I, you know, I wasn't interested in the feminine or the divine feminine or anything like that. Mm. I loved energy healing, but I just, the whole divine feminine thing didn't draw me. But little by little, I found that I was reading books or attending workshops and it kept coming up and I kept just being drawn into it and I was fighting it. But now I think I've kind of handed myself over and that, okay, I'm going to go with my intuitive side. I'm going to let that lead me. I'm going to stop being so action oriented. And it's not saying that action is bad. Action is needed, but intuition first and then action. And I just want to talk a bit about that because if people do have not a hang up, but maybe they're not so familiar with the divine feminine and what it's about, um, just to talk about how that can benefit and empower us to lead our lives in more intuitive ways. Sure, sure. Well, I think that's that's what I like to, I like to really, you know, the divine feminine, what is that? You know, it sounds kind of light and beautiful and I suppose... I would be very similar to yourself. I turned up my masculine in order to survive in the world. And anything divine feminine the part of me that might have been pulled towards even those that language, really, I turned down. And I, I, I think that's really quite common. You know, it's to really escalate the part of yourself that you can... Uh, negotiate without in in the world and when I or certainly my interpretation of it and the way I like to language it to women is it's in its truest form it's terrifyingly beautiful there's a huge power to it and we embody it as women And when I have, you know, a class or a course and I'm working with people over a number of weeks, I really like to strip it back to how relatable it is to us. The fact that every woman can relate to her knowingness. Every woman can relate to, I knew that. Oh my God, I totally knew that. And I knew that for two years before I did anything about it. Just knowingness. That's the divine feminine. The carrying the emotional carrying, the carrying of the emotional needs of others. Women know that place. We know that we are carrying not only ourselves, but we are carrying our families, our relationships, our business colleagues in lots of instances. That ability to carry, that's the divine feminine. Um, It's that... uh, essential truth of ourselves that we undervalue often you can just get to a woman by saying you know that bit of yourself that you just kind of don't value very much that's that's your divine feminine and it's the carrier the vessel um and it's not until I have found 
certainly in my experience, that women are really confronted with that part of themselves. And the big entry points into yoga are pregnancy and perimenopause. That's when I see people coming into the class. They're like, okay, this thing is happening in my body. Uh, there's lots of people who do it their whole lives, but they're the two big, I'm starting yoga because I'm 46 and there's something going down or I'm 36 and I'm having a baby. Um, and when we look at the greater expression of the divine feminine, our, our planet, oftentimes I just say to women, are you pulling on resources you don't have? Can you see that in our planet? Can you see how we're pulling on resources we don't have? We're just pretending that everything's okay and we just keep on pumping oil out of the ground. Or we're just pretending that I can just keep on going day in, day out, month in, month out and override this deep instinctual wisdom, this uh, very essence of creation that we carry in ourselves as women. And I just really like to strip it back to real practical stuff and the force that awakens in us from our earliest years in, in you know, preteen right the way through to our, our final days. And that force just keeps awakening and awakening and awakening and awakening and calling to us. Um, and if we're lucky, we listen. But there is a, a uh, I suppose there is an emergency C-section <laughs> that can happen if we try to run away from our real force. And that, you know, on a micro level can happen through lots of crises, whether they be, you know, through labor and birth or through, um, uh, through health crises or uh, what seems to be really very prevalent in women that I'm encountering is a lot of anxiety and depression. Mm. Yeah. And that to me is uh, indicative of um, overriding or at least not even knowing you're overriding because it's, we've been told a story for a very long time to override our power. It comes back to power, really, doesn't it? But yeah. It's an internalized power as opposed to a, a solar externalized power. That's exactly it. And I see a lot of that anxiety with my clients, but also that giving the power away yeah. and not recognizing the power within. And it's like, well, who can I go to to fix me? Or what can I do to fix me? Or, you know, how can I get rid of this? And looking outside of ourselves in order to change or to get back to, you know, normal, where mm. all the time the power is within, but mm. we're looking everywhere else but within. And yes, maybe it's the yoga practice that awakens that, you know, ability to look within, or maybe it's an energy healing that gives you the space to look within. But I really find that a lot of the people who I'm working with, they have the answers. They know, as you say, that inner knowing. They know, you know, and it, 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 there's timing involved in it to actually arrive at that. I, I knew that. Mm. And um, 
before it really percolates up to, you know, the level of your consciousness, you're like, oh, oh, you know. (laughs) And sometimes we're blocking that um, because the stress and anxiety Mm. isn't allowing that inner knowing to bubble to the surface. Um, And that can be a factor as well. But I think it's so important to start claiming that power, to step into that power. And that can be scary. And it can be really just an unknown territory. And that's what I love about your teachings, because it helps to navigate that territory with, you know, your guidance and someone who's maybe a few steps ahead and who's walked that path. And I want to talk a bit about your workshop coming up, the Shakti, Mm. the essence of creation. It's actually, I'd love to go to it myself, but it clashes with my meditation class, but I would definitely (laughs) be there otherwise. Um, But yeah, I just love this whole concept um, about Shakti and the essence of creation. So what's that about? Well, it's, you know, it's, it's an opportunity for women to go, so I work with, you know, uh, 10 women for six weeks and it's two hours per practice. So we very much follow a wave of low to the ground, deep breath, quietude to into physical practice and right the way back down into meditation. Um, and it's to continually emphasize the natural pattern of shakti which is you know the divine feminine which is nature which is the creative essence um that we have we just we just have it we we have access to it and this is the one thing that arises more and more and more I really find particularly working with women you only have to scratch the surface and they're in because it's not like I'm trying to, to promote an idea that they aren't already deeply aware of. It might come in the form of me languaging something, but sure enough, if you spend two hours on your yoga mat, the, 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 the word becomes an embodied feeling. And then it's the realm of feeling. And then the realm of feeling can bring us to a, a deeper place. But Shakti, I suppose, is the the uh, yogic term for the for the divine feminine essence, and was always considered to be in the most abundant um, form in the pelvis. So whenever I learned about Shakti, it was always the pelvic energy, the pelvic energy, the pelvic energy, and we're trying to get Shakti to rise in the body to merge with Shiva, which is consciousness. But I like to talk about Shakti as not only a pelvic energy, but it's a womb energy. Whether you have a womb or not, you know, lots of women have come through the classes and they've experienced hysterectomies through their life. It's the energy of the womb. It's that deep, creative place. So creative, you could create a human being out of it, but it's the place where everything you've ever created, the energy behind everything you've ever created was born. And it's to really tap into awareness of that place. So for the first couple of weeks, we're just getting to, we're just bringing awareness into the pelvis, into the womb, into that whole area of creativity, 
sexuality, which is huge, because if there's one source power that we can connect to, you know, creativity, great, I can make a baby. Well, the step before that is female sexuality, which is, again, so deeply powerful, but so maligned and misunderstood and suppressed and feared. Um, and really, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm coaxing that out of the pelvis week by week, bringing it into expression, meeting it with the action. Yes, okay, I've got it. Now what I'm going to do with it? But to always bring it to heart, to, to the well-being of the whole. And I think that is really very much um, encoded in us as women as well. We have that natural predisposition to the well-being of our whole, whatever that is, our family, our workplace, our environment. A lot, I do quite a bit of work around the throat as well, because to have your voice, to be heard, to deeply listen, it requires a lot of deep listening. And then sure enough, we'll end up somewhere around the third eye by the sixth week. And then that's the big intuitive center. And it's that instinctual self and that intuitive self and that gut instinct and that inner seeing. And it's to bring it all together and just let it move and churn. And that might be a awakening women to, women to a whole other way of considering their bodies or their subtle bodies. Or for people who are more experienced with practices, a very, very deep experiential practice and amazing depends where you are on the you know I've plenty of women have come in and they're like I haven't done a lot of yoga you know uh, so it can really it can really depend on where you're at but it's really the ones that are least experienced sometimes with yoga as they perceive it that just like oh my god mm. oh my god this I was going to ask that do you have to have a certain level to do attend the class? I mean, I wouldn't take somebody in who's never done yoga before because we do move through a yoga practice. So there would be some prerequisites that I would be happier, I suppose, with women knowing, like, you know, downward dog. <laughs> you know, but it's okay. There's, there's a huge range of experience. Most women have, I might... In, who would come to a course like that, in my experience, have done some yoga. Mm. But it's often, most women come to me, whether in, at that, in, through those courses, and they're going, I know I have to do something. You know, and I've done a bit of yoga, and I know I have to do something. Mm. And then there's people who've done pregnancy yoga with me, and this is what, this is another cycle I find myself in. I may not have laid eyes on somebody for nine or 10 years, and now they've got their 12-year-old and their eight-year-old at home, and they know they need to do something. They've been in deep motherhood, as I call it, you know, that, you know, constant outsourcing of energy. Um, and now they're coming back. And that point of re-entry, uh, the Shakti course is really lovely because, again, it's, it's a journey like the pregnancy yoga was. Yeah, because I've been to your classes and I've done your pregnancy classes, which are amazing. And 
I find I've been to yoga classes where it's been like a workout. Where There's a lot of workouts. Yeah, there isn't that element of the spirituality side, which yeah. I love as well, because your classes are technical. You know, it's about, you know, getting to that spiritual side and marrying, you know, the other side of it as well. It's not just one or the other. It's that yeah. marrying well, I always looked for context in a yoga class. It was always, well, why am I doing this? Why am I doing a triangle shape? What is the point? You know, so really I was, I referred to the teacher in the UK who couldn't answer my question when it came to my own female journey. Um, he was such a great teacher of context. Every pose has an energetic effect to what, to what, um, to what do you direct that? You know, it's really about owning what's, what's happening. And yoga, there is absolutely no question. The one thing I have seen in the 16 odd years of teaching is the trajectory is stronger, faster, hotter, more powerful, less, less, less to do with personal growth and personal fulfillment and more to do with, with body beautiful. Mm. and body beautiful is great and you know I first went to that yoga class in that gym because I wanted Madonna's arms I just remember thinking oh Madonna's doing yoga oh I like her arms <laughs> I want to do yoga um and that's great and that's fine but it's also really important that there's somewhere to grow in all of that mm. um and I suppose that's that's why there's teachers like me there's lots yeah. of cheap stuff and then there's teachers like me and you know people will grow into the other stuff mm. hopefully because I find you can get sucked into that you know the whole Instagram yoga yeah. thing where it's like oh I've I've mastered that pose I have to get to the next one and okay what's next and okay I can do a handstand now I have to press to handstand or you know, it's like yeah. there's no Goals, end right yeah Goals. yeah whereas I think I think the feminine is the process. I think the masculine's goals, and that's there's loads of value, but the very nature of the womb is the nature of the process. It's the unfolding of the process. And listen, I know Instagram. I mean, I I, I had a, I had a whole new website created, and it's all very beautiful. And the woman who did it for me, she said, "So you gotta you gotta start Instagramming." And I still haven't done it. I don't know if I've missed the boat with it. I don't even know what I do. But I know if I went down that rabbit hole, I would feel the pressure to do fancy yoga poses on a beach in my bikini. <laughs> and I know that part of me is really alive, you know, that kind of like, oh, look at me. Isn't this gorgeous? Don't I look great? You know? <laughs> So I've been resisting that um, yeah. and sticking with the old school world, word of mouth process. <laughs> <laughs> and I think sometimes you were talking about the process, you know, just being in that energy. That's nearly harder than, you know, the goals of oh, getting that, so you know, it, like it's... it's really, it's yeah. easy to have those goals that say, okay, I've ticked that box. Let's move on to the next step. But being in that process, being in that presence is mm. so much harder. 
And mm. that's really the challenge, I think, for yeah. just that beingness um, yeah. rather than the doing. So of course, there's the doing side of it as well, which complements it. But just being in that state of connecting and going within and not being in the outward state of having to look or, you know, be a certain way. And yeah, that's really the challenge, I think, for us in our world of, you know, action and doing and busyness just to sit and be. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's the, it's the, um, it's the undervalued state and it's the underpracticed state. You know, that's the place that we're, we're not practiced in. We really are not practiced in from the moment we begin our lives. It's really all to do with the external. So much so that we forget. You know, we completely forget that place. Um, yet women are called back. You pull back in. You keep getting pulled back in. Um, from, you know, as soon as you uh, you hit your, your pre-teen years or your teen years, you, you pull back in. And certainly the narrative I was given was, it's well, that's an inconvenient. Well, yay, you're a woman. I do remember that. Like, oh, you're a woman now. But it's an inconvenience, you know. Um, and I remember a long, 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 long time ago, maybe I was about 17 or 18, and I was sitting on my couch at home and I was watching Oprah Winfrey and uh, Dr. Christiane Northrup, who wrote Women's Bodies, Women's Wisdom, was being interviewed. And she said, it's not premenstrual tension. It's not premenstrual tension. It's premenstrual truth. And I got a shiver in that moment. And I, from that time on, used to watch what came up every time. What did I know already that used to drive me nuts in premenstrual truth. I was like, I don't want to see that right now. So I really don't think we have to try very hard. It is less known, but it's there. And you create space for it to arise. You invite, and it it comes in more and more and more. Mm. And that's what's really surprised me, how it really is happy to be uh you know that that energy is 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 looking for your attention Mm. as soon as you give it it, it's there Mm. and i'm finding it comes with maturity too you know it comes with years and age i don't know if this all would would have been happening for me anyway Mm. but what i'm finding is that there's like a speeding up where it's Mm. coming in younger and younger people who are a lot younger are getting almost to that maturity earlier and Mm. the other thing I'm finding is that when I'm meditating and when I connect with that like inner sanctuary I call it Mm. I don't want to be anywhere else I want to stay (laughs) (laughs) but what I wanted to I'm just conscious of your time as well and what I wanted to do was to share with everybody how to contact you and to work with you if they want to attend your courses because you have so many other things that you do we haven't even touched on some of the other workshops and events and retreats you have and I know you've loads coming up you've um something exciting happening in October as well yeah teacher training in October for Mm. young teachers on all of this you know on all of this you know what we've been talking around 
Um, it's time, I think, I shared it beyond my students and started training already teachers in this modality as well, just to, to bring in um, the, uh, the underbelly of mm. practices. And I think it's so important and so needed at this time, mm. because as you say, people are searching for it. And mm. I find that with clients, they're coming to me because they're being called and they're like, I just knew I had to come. I don't know why, but I'm here. Yeah. And yeah. So your website is luyoga.com, L-O-U-Yoga.com. And your course, the Shakti, the Essence of Creation is starting on the 30th of May. and. Have you places left if people still want to book in? I do have places left. Um, I have four places left. So there's a, there's a few places left to book and you can do that online. Um, yeah, and that, you know, if people want to get in touch with me and, and, and uh, ask any questions about it over and above what's on site, please do. I'd be happy to, to answer any questions. Yeah. And even if people just want to sample a yoga class, they can come to you just for one-off class? Yeah, I do. I only do one public class a week at this Mm. stage. Everything else kind of runs on courses. So there's a public class every Friday. um, That's in Home Studios, uh, which is in Harold's Cross in Dublin 6. Um, All of the courses take place here in my home studio, which is slightly confusing. Not home studios, but in my (laughs) own studio, in my home, in my garden shed. Um, And that's a really, really beautiful, intimate space. That's only 10, whereas home studios is a a much bigger venue. And then, as you said, I have um, four retreats a year. I have holidays. Oh, there's a little person. (laughs) Little man coming in. And so there's it's it's, it's, <laughs> it's all there on uh, on luyoga.com under the events. So it's all Pretty. it's all there for people to read up on. Well, um, always things around women's health and women's well-being, and then general stuff too. Great, and thank you so much. I've so enjoyed chatting, and yeah, me too. It's been great, and I hope people will go and go on your website and just have a look because there's loads of stuff up there. So thank you, Lou, and um, we will chat again soon. Okay, wonderful. Thank you. Thank you.